Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Boundless Gamers Podcast. This is episode 22. I'm your host, Mike. And joining me once again is the one and only famous Cheats at Monopoly, Indy. Welcome back, Indy. I just want to say uh, it cannot be proven that I cheat. That's not what I heard. Ash told me you, you, you would tell everybody, oh, look, there's a mouse that just ran by and everybody would look and then you would reach over to the bank. And grab a few hundreds. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a pretty shitty cheater then, because uh, she usually beats me. I'm just making shit up. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. No. No, I I knew a friend who did that. Yeah, it was not cool. That game just brings out the worst in people. Oh, yeah. I love Monopoly. I I can talk about that all day long. All right, well, I have to address the elephant in the room, because Jacques's not here again. Back-to-back episodes. And some of you are probably wondering, especially Jacques' friends, like, where is he? Like, what's going on? Is he all right? Like, what's up? Just want to say he's fine. He's perfectly fine. He just had something he had to take care of and busy week. And he's going to be here, here. I don't know why I said here. He's going to be back on the <laughs> show next week. And we're going to have some announcements for you guys about the show. I'm not going to talk about it in this episode, so... Better check out the next episode. Jacques will be there. I will drag his ass to his uh, recording equipment so he can talk to you guys. Don't worry. He's not going anywhere. I, I, I want to make that clear. Jacques didn't bail. He's just taking care of shit. Because you know how people are, indeed. People always think the worst. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we're definitely not going to pull any kind of a weekend at Bernie's thing or anything like that. And like, no, Jacques's right here. He's fine. I would love that. I would love to move Jacques' dead body around and make pretend he's alive. That no, no, that that would mean he's dead. No, never mind. Yeah, look, look that's got that got dark real quick. Yeah, that got very dark. I'm I'm sorry, Jacques. Don't hate me. <laughs> but all right. Uh, before we get into the meat of this episode, I have to go over the social the social media pages. I can't even talk right now. I have to get that done out of the way. I know it's the boring part of the show, but let's just get it over with. So, guys, you can follow us at Boundless Gamers on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and that's at Boundless Gamers. Follow us on all of them. We would really appreciate it. Yeah, swing for the fences, man. Get all three. We need more people talking about our shit. And the only way we can do that is if you follow us on those feeds. So, please, do it now. Even if you have nothing but negative, I mean, publicity is publicity, and um, the algorithm only cares about interactment. So, uh... Yeah, if you want to just go on and cuss everybody out, that's cool, too. I mean, we prefer not that to happen, but, I mean, the algorithm knows no uh, no difference, so. I'll take anything. If you want to be mean to me, that's fine. It's activity. We grew up in Modern Warfare 2 lobbies. There's nothing you can say that will offend us. Oh, GTA 4, Modern Warfare 2, even Halo 3. Ugh. Yeah. I had great times with those games, but yeah, the online communities were just a pile of shit. That's enough of that. Let's get into the show. I'm going to jump into our inventory and see what kind of news items we have this week. Let's see. How many do I have? Eight. Okay. Eight. Don't worry, guys. I'll go through these quickly. Well, most of them I'll go through quickly. There's a few here I need to address and discuss. But number one is Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy... The Definitive Edition was officially announced by Rockstar. Now, all three games will feature across-the-board 
upgrades, including graphical improvements, modern gameplay enhancements for all three titles, and it's going to be coming later this year. In India, I, earlier I noticed IGN posted something about the collection. They said it might be $70. Yeah, I saw something about that. I don't know how I feel about that price. I mean, I can tell you how I feel about it. I mean, if Rocksteady can release all three Arkham games for less than 60 bucks, why the hell do... Why, why does GTA get a pass for games that are way older than the Arkham series to uh, get a $70 price tag? And we haven't even seen any footage of this yet, so we don't know how right. much they upgraded it. May look like shit. May just be tiny little improvements here and there with a big visual upgrade. They may just change the controller's layout and call it a day. Yeah. All right, number two. PlayStation is set to announce a remake of a big game this Christmas, according to an Irish musician who claims to be involved with the game's soundtrack. So, what the hell could that be? A big remake. Um, Do you have any guesses? Me and Jacques think it's the Metal Gear Solid remake, the original one, but another part of me is saying Resistance. Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard anything about that franchise in God knows how long, since PS3 days, right? Yeah, I mean, Insomniac Games keeps teasing us with the little things here and there regarding Resistance. They've been doing it for the past two years, and I'm like, what the hell? I mean, Sony bought Bluepoint, so a remake, I mean, anything's on the table at this point. Yeah. Sony really needs that first-person shooter. They don't have one. I mean, they've had Killzone games, but yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, they've had, they've, they've tried, I mean, they've had their fair share of shooters. They had SOCOM, they had Killzone, they had Resistance, um, but yeah, there's no shooter per se on the, on the table right now. I mean, they have games where you shoot shit in it, but they're not shooters. I, I don't look at Uncharted as a shooter, The Last of Us, no. They need yeah. a proper shooter. I, I do think they should bring SOCOM back. Oh, I agree. Rainbow Six Siege is doing great. I, I think the the uh, gaming community would love another tactical shooter. Yeah, I mean, ever since Ubisoft has kind of gone off the rails with um, Ghost Recon, like Advanced Warfighter, uh, like the classic Ghost Recon formula doesn't exist anymore. It's an entirely different beast at this point. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see SOCOM come back and like give me that classic Rainbow Six Vegas feel or that old Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter feel. Something to get back to slow movement, tactical decisions, right. as opposed to the classic Ubisoft formula of, okay, let's put towers everywhere and just go to this open world that has like a million question marks in here that all mean something random that you could care less about. I agree, 100%. It seems like every episode we shit on Ubisoft. In some way. I mean, let's be fair. We shit on everybody. (laughs) Yeah, good point. All right, number three is short but sweet. Resident Evil 7 becomes the first game in the series to ship 10 million copies, achieving the milestone within five years. Now, that's combining the digital and physical shipments. Uh, Yeah, I love this game. I absolutely love Resident Evil 7. I I think I like Village a little bit more, but yeah, there's something special about 7. I really got to play that again. I wonder if a lot of people got into Village and that was like their first Resident Evil game. I'm like, wait, there was a prequel to this. Let's go back and see what that was like. And that's why we had that sudden surge in numbers to bring seven up to those numbers. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's exactly what's happening. Plus, it's on Game Pass. 
Well, that doesn't go towards this. It doesn't? Does it? People playing it on Game Pass count as sales? I don't think it does. Well, I know the developer gets a piece of it every time it's downloaded on Game Pass. So I don't know if they would count that as a sale or if they would just count that as revenue. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. They might be counting that. Yeah, you're right. Huh. I have to look into that. I need Phil Spencer to give me more information about that, but <laughs> until that happens. Number four, Xbox Wireless Controller 20th Anniversary Special Edition was announced recently. And it's this cool black translucent controller with green on the back. Uh, have you seen this, Indy? I, I haven't seen it, but I love the idea of a translucent controller because I feel like the days of those like see-through controllers where you can see the little weighted end on the inside, like the thumb of the uh, the sides where you can see it spinning whenever something rumbles. Those days just don't exist anymore because we never get those kinds of controllers anymore. Uh, Microsoft is putting out another one soon. It's the uh, Forza Five, uh, Forza Horizon Five controller. Half of it's translucent. The left side is translucent. I may have seen that one. Do I have a picture I could send you? Nah, just look it up. I'm too lazy. <laughs> but yeah, I have that on pre-order and I'm going to keep my pre-order because a couple episodes ago I was saying I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it or not, but I've decided I am going to get it. So nice. I will uh, take some pictures of that, stick it on Instagram when I get it. Because th this control is really cool because the back of it has um, a rubber texture grip that mimics a car wheel. Oh. Yeah, it's a little bit different. It's not like the other controllers that they've been putting out. So they have some added features to it. They actually did something to make it feel special as opposed to just a different uh, paint scheme? Yeah, and they're charging five bucks more, so it better be special. Well, actually, no, they're charging <laughs> 15 bucks more because the base Xbox Series X controller is 60 This is 75 That's not too bad, though, if they're actually changing how the controller feels and everything. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. It even has some of the Boundless Gamers colors on there. So I appreciate that. All right. Time to get into negative news. Well, uh -oh. some negative news. I think it's the rest negative. No, the rest isn't negative, but this one is. Back for Blood solo mode blocks achievements, stat tracking, and progression. And uh, the community's pretty angry. <laughs> uh, Yeah. When Jacques sent me that, I'm like, no, like, no, like nobody's stupid enough to do that. I know as I've gotten older, those nights of just, you know, getting the whole squad online every other night and just like staying up till the ass crack of dawn, they don't exist for me anymore. And more often than not, I'm playing solo. So it's just, I mean, to rob people of achievements because, you know, I mean, not everybody's going to have friends or like be able to go play those games and would still want to play them solo. So it almost feels like you're getting cheated of the full experience just because they don't have people to play with. And let's be honest, the gaming community is not the friendliest community. And sometimes I know me personally, I don't have the patience to deal with assholes after I'm coming home from like an eight hour shift. And I've already dealt with the public all day, and I don't want to come home and have the public as a part of my gaming experience. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but stat tracking and progressions also blocked? Like, really? Yeah. It's bad enough with the achievements. <sighs> yeah, they're, they're getting slammed right now, and they had to come out with a tweet. It says, discussing ways to address the issue. So it's not going to be fixed at launch. 
I want to know who thought that. I don't know if it was an idea or if it's a technical issue. But if it was an idea, I want to know who's responsible for that. This should have never been an issue. Other developers have done this before, and they caught a lot of fire for it. It's, Of course, you're going to have a section of the community that just wants to play it solo. They should know that. Yeah. Not everybody's going to jump online. You know, it's crazy. I remember back when Left 4 Dead came out. Um, for the most part, I played through that game solo my first time around. Before I started playing with anybody, I went through it by myself. You know what's sad? The community is going to kiss their ass when they fix this. Like, oh, they're listening. They heard us. Uh They knew they were wrong. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I said, this should not have been an issue. I'm not giving you a free pass. I'm I'm just not. No, this is something that, like, you don't get a reward for fixing something that should have never been an issue to begin with. Tell that to the Nintendo fans, because they are always kissing Nintendo's ass. Uh, not all of us are. I am a Nintendo fan, sir, but um, I am too. I, still... but I don't kiss their ass. <laughs> I'm still livid over the debacle of the Mario collection that they released. Like, you're telling me that you can't release a remake of Mario 64. Instead, you're just going to give me the Mario 64 from the N64 days, Mario Sunshine, all this, and still charge me 60 bucks and then make it a limited exclusive type thing? That's like so many questions and red flags in that business decision. I'm like, really? Do you just, you just, you know, like the fact that you just know your fans are going to just drool over it and say, thank you. You're just not even going to reward us at all. You're just going to give us that package. I agree with you, but I buckled and bought it anyway, because I never played Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, That's fair. And I wasn't going to go get a Wii to play the game. I was like, no, okay, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, in my mind, I paid $60 for that one game. The other two are just throw-ins. All right, let's move on. Number six is another negative one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Metroid Dread is already running great on emulators. This is from a Kotaku article, and PC Gamer wrote something similar. Now, Kotaku has been changing paragraphs in this article left and right for the past two days. Hmm. Because these morons pretty much promoted playing Dread on your PCV in an emulator. They're like, oh, look at the 4K resolution, and it can those frames per second boost, and it just runs so much smoother. Now, they weren't flat out telling people to go run over there, but they were heavily implying that you should check out the ROM version of this game. And that pissed a lot of people off. And And I've put down some of the old quotes they had in the article. They can't hide from the internet. In the original article, they had this on the top. Hey, real quick, if you're a Nintendo lawyer or employee, just like, don't read this. It was a silly mistake. Ignore this (laughs) blog. You can go now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It gets better. If you want to play the rest of the Metroid franchise and don't want to shell out large amounts of money on old consoles and games, your best bet is emulation, as it is often the case... Nintendo, like most game publishers, is really bad about maintaining access to their past games outside of the few big sellers. Thank God for pirates, emulators, modders, and hackers. That's what it said in the original article. Now, there's a whole lot more there, but they modified it to hell and back. And the article that they have up now is still kind of shitty. Like, but I was just stunned by that. Like, They're a video game news outlet. Why are they 
giving light to the ROM version of this game. Yeah, I mean, like, but at the same time, though, I mean, I'm I'm fe- I'm learning all of this as you're giving the news too, because I haven't heard most of these stories just because the past week for me has been insane. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I mean, who's more so to blame here? Them advertising, hey, go get an emulator for this, or is Nintendo partially to blame for half-assing their games in a bit and just, you know, counting on the fact that it has that Nintendo logo in the corner, that's going to sell the game. Doesn't matter what we do, you know, we could release a game that only goes up to 720 and we're going to call it the next Zelda game and people are going to buy it and they're going to pay $60 and they'll pay $60 again when we re-release it on whatever the next console is right. and then they'll <laughs> pay another $60 again because we never lower our prices. So, at the end of the day, I, I'm mad at Nintendo. By the way, I bought Metroid Dread. So, oh, nice. Um, cool. Yeah, it's actually really good. It's an amazing game. Buy it on the Switch. Actually support the developers because we only get Metroid games, what it seems like, every 10 years for whatever reason. <laughs> He's not lying. Uh, okay, Here, here's the thing about emulation. I'm fine if you want to pirate games that you can't legally buy anymore. Like, if it's some old-ass game... It's super rare. Nintendo or Sony or Xbox, they don't want to release a new version. And the only way you can play it is via ROM. That's fine. I have no problem with that. I know that's a gray area, but I have no issue with that. Because not everybody wants to spend like two, three $300 on the original game if it's rare and all that. But if it's a brand new game like Dread, come on. Yeah. I don't have to explain this to you. It's pretty simple. If you want to see more of these games, if you want sequels buy them if you pirate them the developer gets no money the company has no reason to make another game for the audience here's something indy what if someone bought metroid dread they paid their 60 dollars and then they decided they want to play this rom think that's fine because people are arguing that in the comment sections i feel like there's ways around it. I mean, I will never support downloading a ROM for a game that just came out. Same here. Never. I mean, if Nintendo wants to, you know, make it to where the game only runs at 1080 and you can make it run at 4K, find a way to upscale it on the actual game that you bought, but don't don't illegally download it. Exactly. Well said. I have nothing else to say. But whoever wrote that Kotaku article, you should be fired. <laughs> yeah. Please go find the original article, guys. It, don't look at the most recent one. It's still bad, the recent one, but that old one, oh, Lord. They're like, yeah, it just runs great. 4K. Now, I understand that the Switch is limited with its power, and that's why these modders are giving people access to some souped-up version of the game. And in some right. ways, that is Nintendo's fault. They should have, like, a a switch pro or something out, but I just, I I can't condone pirating a new game. I'm sorry. No, like Indy said, support the developers. All right, moving on. This is actually the last item in our inventory. I thought I had eight, but I have seven here. PlayStation boss, Jim Ryan wants hundreds of millions of PlayStation five players, hundreds of millions now, there was a recent uh, interview by uh, GamesIndustry.biz. They talked to Jim Ryan for a little bit. And uh, 
I have one little quote from the article. I guess I'll just read it. I really believe that the PlayStation 5... Now, this is Ryan talking. I really believe that the PlayStation 5 will be Sony's biggest and best, most loved PlayStation yet. Music and movies, they can be enjoyed by almost limitless audiences. And I think some of the art that our studios are making is some of the finest entertainment that has been made anywhere in the world. And to kind of gate off the audience for the wonderful art, wonderful entertainment that our studios are making, to gate the audience for that at 20 or 30 million frustrates me. I would love to see a world where hundreds of millions of people can enjoy these games. I mean, let's be honest here, Jim, you're not going to sell that many PlayStation fives. If you want that many people no. playing your game, you're going to have to like put everything on PC and they're starting to do that. And you might even have to port it over to other consoles. Cause there's no way the PS five is going to sell hundreds of millions. It's not going to outsell the PS two. Especially when you're having these supply issues. I mean, take me for example. I had the money to buy a PS5. And for the longest time, I couldn't get it. And eventually, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And I went and bought a PC. And now I'm perfectly fine. I mean, granted, I'm missing out on some of those exclusives. But I have a feeling it won't be long before I get to play the Demon Souls remake. Because I have a mm-hmm. feeling it's going to be coming to PC soon. So yeah. at this point, it's like, if you really want that, you need to change how you're getting those systems out the door. Yeah, that damn chip shortage. Uh, it's getting better, but some are saying it should clear up in mid-22. Others are saying 23. It's probably going to be at the end of 22 where things are going to start to get a little bit better. Yeah. It's not going to sell that many. I, I, I don't care. Even if it's hot as hell, it's flying off the shelves, there's no chip shortage... They're firing on all cylinders. It's not going to sell hundreds of millions. You're just going to have to put your shit on everything if you want that. But then that takes away from the PlayStation exclusives. They got to have their own exclusives on their system. Uh, I know you're waiting for Demon's Souls, but you're not going to get like t 3 on the PC anytime no. soon. And- no, I mean, trust me, I still want a PS5 because, I mean, I would love to put my PS4 in my office as a part of my office entertainment system and keep my PS5 in the living room because that's where my new TV is and everything like that. But, I mean, if I have to go with, you know, not upgrading anything and still running off of a day one PS4 and day one Xbox One um, while still trying to fight off anybody who just, like, scalps the new systems as soon as they go up for sale, I'm, I don't see the incentive to uh, continue to fight that when I can go get a PC right now I mean, hell, people are buying PCs just to get new graphics cards because we're dealing with that, too. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Guys, you really don't need to get a PS5 right now. I'd say wait another year and then start hunting again. More exclusives will be out. People are going to get PS5s when Spider-Man 2 hits, when the new God Not of War that, hits. But there's probably going to be like a Spider-Man 2 or God of War edition console when it comes out. Yeah. Hope it looks good. <laughs> Me too, because that's what I'm hoping for. Console designs are a hit or miss. It's, sometimes they just look like shit. Like I'm like, that that's what you came up with? I could have came yeah. up with something better in five minutes. <laughs> it's like low effort. Speaking of consoles that look like shit, did you see the um, SpongeBob and Ninja Turtle edition oh, uh, Xbox yes. One Series X's? I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot to write that down. Thank you so much. Yeah, they're doing a giveaway for the <laughs> these two things. 
the SpongeBob console looks awesome. I, I got it. It does. It's like it's like the most awesome, cringy image I've seen on the internet all day. When I first saw it, like with no context, it's like, why is there a SpongeBob mini fridge on my phone right now? And it really does look like a mini fridge when you stand that system up. But at the end of the day, it can look like a potato. I don't care. Just play the games well. I, I, that's all I care about. All right, I guess it's time we move into what we're playing. Uh. I've been playing a lot of shit, like a lot, so I'm just going to like briefly go over some of these, but I'm going to let Indy start. I want to know what he's been playing. I know you mentioned Metroid Dread already, uh, so I guess you can talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I mean, the game I've definitely sank the most time into um, in the past week has definitely been Metroid Dread. Um, I, I, I honestly got to say, I love this game. And right before I started playing it, I actually uh, was going through Super Metroid on the Switch. Um, and I got pretty far in it. I still, to this day, haven't beaten Super Metroid. I've, I've gotten far. I've almost beat it. And then by the time I get back to it, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I just restart the whole game. <laughs> but Metroid Dread, the the way they have gone about creating an atmosphere for this game... It really takes me back to Metroid Prime 2, just how eerie everything is. Um, it really does seem like they tried to give it almost horror elements to it. Because there are mini-bosses called Emmys, and they are terrifying to be in the presence of. They're based <laughs> off sound, and I've never experienced having to hide in a 2D side-scroller. And the way the puzzles are implemented... Um, I, I will honestly say I've never gone through a Metroid game where I did not go online and be like, hey, I acquired this. Where the fuck do I go next? But I have been very disciplined with this one, and I have not done that. And so far, I have about seven to eight hours in the game, and I am loving every second of it. Yeah, it's getting crazy good reviews. I went on Metacritic earlier, and it had an 88. So it's doing phenomenal fans love it and right now i believe it's in the conversation for game of the year it's well deserved definitely i want to play it but i'm just not into the 2d side-scrolling metroid games i mean not as much as the metroid prime series i love those games oh i'm right there with you trust me i i'm still waiting on a metroid prime trilogy remake to hit switch that keeps on supposedly popping up and going away and popping up and going away or even metroid prime 4 it still seems like that didn't ever actually happen, and we're never going to get it. Oh no, it's happening! It's in development. They had to restart. They, they oh, went I know back that. To the drawing board. But the fact that oh, to this day, I think it, what it got announced two or three years ago, and to this day we still only have a logo. This is why I hate when developers announce shit like way too soon, or I should say, uh, publishers, Nintendo. Oh, and Nintendo is probably like the worst one about it too. I like to know a game's coming. But if the game's like four or five years out, like, please, come on, just hold off. I don't, I don't know. Come on. Like KOTOR, the remake, uh, they're saying that could hit late. Oh, no, I'm thinking Dead Space. Never mind. <laughs> that game's probably going to hit 2023 because that's the 20th anniversary for Nice Your Republic. And to me, I think that's kind of like the sweet spot. Yeah. Two years. I mean, if you're going to do a teaser, do that two years in advance have a gameplay trailer when you're within the one year mark and then really just start going crazy when you're like within the quarter of the game coming out. 
I mean, me personally, I love the way Bethesda announced Fallout 4. You know, go to E3. Hey, guess what? Fallout 4 is coming out. It's coming out in like four months. Go pre-order. The bad thing is, I don't know what has changed, but it seems like leaks are worse than ever now. I don't know if it's just that cybersecurity is becoming such an issue that anybody can just data mine and find everything at this point. Like, it didn't seem like that was a big of a thing in the past, but it sure as hell is now, especially with what happened with uh, NVIDIA a few weeks ago. It's like, is nothing really safe at this point? Because I, I think part of the reason why the magic is gone for E3 is because just about every single thing has been leaked at this point, so I know what to expect. There is no, oh my god, I can't believe that's coming out moments. Uh, is there anything else you've been playing? It's just that, Metroid? I mean, that's what I've been playing the most before Metroid came out. Um, I started dabbling into Phasmophobia with a buddy of mine. Game's way more terrifying than it looks. Um, apart from that, I've actually been going back through uh, Spider-Man because oh. I didn't complete... Well, I completed the DLCs, but I didn't 100% them, and I've platinumed that game. And I've also seen the new trophies that came out with all those DLCs, so I saw, like, you know, you have to beat it in Ultimate Difficulty, so that's what I've been doing when I don't feel like playing Metroid. You still haven't finished Last of Us Part Two, right? That's that's a negative. No, I haven't. I'm gonna get on your case all the time about that. Just get used to it. <laughs> it's well deserved. I mean, trust me, I, I'm aware. But yeah, I mean, there's that, and then it's funny because you mentioned a couple weeks ago how you were going back through the Arkham games mm-hmm. and how you had Spider-Man controls in your head, dude. Oh, yeah. I I started going back through Arkham City about the same time because me and Ash were just talking about superheroes, and then. This happens to me every time there's a new Spider-Man movie or game coming out, and in this particular case, we have No Way Home, Venom 2, and then they show the teaser for Spider-Man 2, so I'm like Spider-Man on the brain almost at least every day. I'm even reading Superior Spider-Man on my Kindle right now, but I was playing Spider-Man, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back through Arkham City because Ash has never seen it. She loved Arkham Asylum, which I believe, and I think you mentioned this, but Arkham Asylum and Arkham City and Arkham Knight, Arkham City and Arkham Knight, I think are almost the same game, but Arkham Asylum is the best in that entire trilogy. Yep. Just because it, you, there's so much more atmosphere and there's different environments. Like, don't get me wrong. I love sailing or um, like through the air in Arkham City and everything. But it's an entirely different feeling when you have claustrophobic hallways and these narrow rooms and everything like that, because then you really have to pay closer attention to the environment. It isn't just, well, this fight isn't going my way. Let me just, you know, take off into the sky and just just fuck off and go do whatever I want. No, you're in that room. Yeah, you have a vent and maybe some gargoyles shit you can jump on. That's about it. Right. And you're just praying you can break that line of sight and disappear. But yeah, trying to go back to that game while playing Spider-Man simultaneously, I must have lost the beginning fight like five times because my fingers and my just reaction time was so Spider-Man. I thought I had more time to counter. I was hitting the wrong buttons. I was getting frustrated. It's like, damn it, I'm good at this game. What is wrong with me? (laughs) It took me 10 minutes to acclimate. But yeah, those first 10 minutes were rough. I'm like, wait a minute, this ain't right. What am I doing wrong? Yeah, it's the Spider-Man controls. It's, it's screwed with me. But yeah, that's it for me. What about you? Well, I finished Alan Wake Remastered. I've got to ask, 
because uh, you're probably going to shoot me. I never finished Alan Wake. Is it worth it? Yes. Yes. Please go play it. Wait, where, where would you play that game? Would you play it on Xbox, PlayStation, or your PC? It's a good question because I usually try and play it on a system that my wife currently isn't playing. And Ash is currently going through Assassin's Creed Odyssey kind of hot and heavy. Because she's also taking an art test for a job, and she's having to create a Greek game. So when she started that, I was like, hey, Odyssey's on sale for $15. Let me just buy it. Let me just see if she gets into it. And she has just jumped off the high die for that game. So when she's not working, she's playing that. So the PlayStation was the console that I would play when she's playing Xbox, because I would just go in VR. So now it's like, well, do I go on my PC or do I go on the Xbox? If I did play it, I want to play it on my PlayStation, but I'm probably into playing it on my PC. Okay. So no Xbox. Is that not on the table? Because you have, you have the it's base on the Xbox table. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. But it's like, if I want to really see what they've done with this game, I feel like it needs to go on the PlayStation or the PC. Well, on Xbox One, I believe it runs at 920p. 30 frames per second, PlayStation 4, okay. 1080p, 30 frames, and I don't know how your PC's set up. Can it do 4K? Can it run 60 frames, 120? Um, I have 75 hertz monitor, or monitor, so I can at least do 60. But yeah, I, I still love this game. I'm not going to really go into it right now, because I know me and Jacques are going to be talking about it to death. <laughs> so I don't want to bore you guys with like, oh, he's talking about Alan Wake again. So I'll ask you this one question about the remaster then. Yeah. Are the upgrades blatantly obvious? Like, can you really tell that they've gone back and they've touched everything? Um, or is it just kind of like they've just taken it and upscaled it? The environments have been changed quite a bit. Everything looks nice and clear now. It, it doesn't look foggy. And what's that say? I can't read it. Everything looks sharp as hell on my uh, PS5. Nice. The upgrades are a huge improvement, except for the facial animation. They changed quite a bit of it, and it looks a lot better, but they could have done more in that department. I just, yeah. But other than that, still a fantastic game. Still one of my favorite stories in a video game. It's just a must play. Indy, the reason why I was asking you about which device you're going to play it on is because Xbox has a gifting feature. I was thinking about oh. gifting you that game. Well, if you did, uh, that would settle that debate once and for all. And I would definitely play it on uh, Xbox. And I'd probably make it my uh, horror game for Halloween. Because I do have a tradition. Oh. Every October, I at least start a new horror game that I haven't beaten before. All right. Well, after I get off, check your Xbox messages. I'll uh, send it on over. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. Because I've been wanting to buy another copy of the game to give to somebody. I'm like, who should I give it to? I've been thinking about that for the past couple of days. I remember you saying you were going to be buying two copies. And I'm like, well, I didn't play that game, but I'm not going to I'm not gonna message him. I'm just going to let him, you know, do what he wants. <laughs> there you go. I had three people in mind, and the other two aren't really playing any games right now. So I was like, well, there's Indy. And he's, you know, he comes on the show and shit. I mean, it makes sense. Let me get him the game. Yeah, it's no problem. It's no problem. I'll, I'll give copies of this out left and right. I don't give a shit. Awesome. So I'll tell you what. Here's what I'll do. Um, I know it's not the longest game. So once I beat Metroid Dread, 
I will jump straight into Alan Wake, and then maybe by the next time I come around on the podcast, I will be able to give uh, a brand new perspective of somebody who's never actually gone all the way through the game. And not only that, you're going to be playing it on the base Xbox One. So that brings a whole other thing to the table, because I'm yeah. playing it on the PS5, Jacques playing on the PS5. I think I know one person who's playing it on their Xbox One X, but I don't know anybody playing it on the base OG Xbox One. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> I'll be the guinea pig, gladly. <laughs> Let's see what's different there. All right, but other than that, I've been playing Hell at Loose. That's the new Plus game. Oh, how is it? Because it's in my Steam wish list, and I keep thinking about it, but I just haven't pulled the trigger. Do you have PlayStation Plus? Yes. Go on the website and add the PS5 copy to your library, because people forget this. You can go on the PlayStation app or the website and add the PS5 games, even if you don't have a PS5. So start doing that. What's sad is I knew that, and I haven't done it in months, because I just, I forgot been giving out some good ones but yeah do that so whenever you get a playstation 5 you'll have it in your library hell yeah it, i'm very mixed on this game there's moments it's brilliant and i love how like realistic it is like it's more like real war everybody's like post up uh, behind like a rock or inside of a building and yeah the description i keep seeing is that it's not battlefield it is a no. simulation it's a simulation and there is moments where it's awesome, like 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 everybody's in this building. We, we oh man, we can't get out of here. I mean, they're across the way in the trees, and they're just pounding us. And, and, and the thing about this game is, you will drop if they hit you anywhere in the chest, anywhere in the chest and up, you're done. One shot. Yeah, it, it's that realistic. Uh, I mean, if you get grazed in the arms and shit, you know, you can crawl away and heal yourself. Right. The thing that bothers me about this game is the, the maps are, like, ginormous. They're, some of them might even be bigger than some of the Battlefield maps. Now, that might sound like a good thing, but Hell at Loose doesn't provide enough vehicles. You'll have, like, two mm. trucks, maybe one tank, if that, and then everybody else, guess what? You're going to have to trek all the way across the battlefield. Sometimes it could take 10 to 15 minutes. I shit you not. Jesus. If you don't have any bases in the middle captured, you're, you're going to be walking. <laughs> Get ready. Other than that, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. The Beaches of Normandy map is awesome. It, it sucks for the Americans, and it was terrible in real life, and I, I still can't believe that right. uh, our guys had to go through that. I mean, it had to be done, but man... Just watch Saving Private Ryan scene. That that's the closest representation oh, yeah. of Normandy. Yeah, that is a hard ass map for the Americans. You're just sitting ducks. Everybody's all the Germans are up on the hill and they're just raining fire on you. And I was the Germans in one round, and I was just racking them up. Toom, toom, toom. Guys were just dropping left and right. It literally took them thirty minutes to get up there and take us out because some of these Jesus. matches can go over an hour. Which is cool, if you have some time to kill. But yeah, I'm very mixed. It's not for everybody. If you're into Call of Duty or the Battlefield games, and you're like, oh yeah, let me check this one out. Might not be for you. I mean, I've heard that game really is just firing on all cylinders when you have like a full squad of friends, and you get to actually function as a unit on the battlefield. Like You give yourselves objectives and things like that. Yeah, definitely. 
you know, speaking of Battlefield, I might as well just jump into Battlefield 2042's beta because I played it. Did you play it, Indy? I didn't get a chance. No, this weekend was just unfortunately way too crazy for me. I had every intention to download it. The game was very unstable. I enjoyed it, but it was just ridiculously unstable for a beta. Like, I've been playing oh, wow. Battlefield beta since the first Bad Company. This one was all over the place. I Like, like the hand on the gun, like my right hand would just go f- come off of it and flop around all over the screen. Helicopters <laughs> would just vanish into thin air and trees would teleport and all kinds of crazy shit. And that's just the baby stuff. Now, EA did say it was a three or four month old build, but I still remember Battlefield 4's launch. And do you remember how bad that was when it launched? Like the game was just Oh, you mean not being able to get into a game and if you want to play with friends, don't even entertain that thought? Yeah, so I'm a little worried about that because it's happened before at launch. We are dealing with a new EA, but I... (laughs) The the di- dice I don't I don't have any faith in their launches at all, which is why I have not pre ordered this battlefield. Same. I mean, I've been super excited about it, but I'm super excited about the version of it that exists a few months after launch. And not to just sound completely negative, uh, I did like the sixty four versus sixty four room size. Uh, that that is awesome. There was. You know, actually, let me just talk about a quick moment that happened to me and two randoms in one of the matches. Uh, we were, well, there was one guy in a, flying the helicopter and three of us were passengers. Uh, he gets shot out of the seat and the, the helicopter's crashing down. We decide to jump out, parachute near an enemy base, and me and the other two randoms that was in my squad, we saw over 30 players at this base. And we're just like, oh, shit. Like, oh my they, don't see, they don't see us because we're on the top of a hill. We were all thinking the same thing. We were looking at each other like, what the hell are we going to do? And we saw seven of our teammates coming up to their base. They didn't know there was going to be that many guys there. They were about to get shit on. So what I decided right. to do is I grab my rocket launcher. I fire at one of their vehicles and then blow it up. And they're like... Nobody was in it, but they were just like, well, where that came from? You could see them all like scattering. <laughs> and then I toss two grenades towards the base. And then the other two teammates, they realized what I was doing and they, and they did the same thing, but they had flashbangs and smoke grenades and they're throwing them in different directions to confuse them. Oh, that's awesome. And then once all that happened, we just laid as much fire into the base as humanly possible to distract them. So the other guys right. could come up and, you know, flank them. And we took about 14 of them out before we dropped. That's awesome. The one teammate next to me, he stood up and I'm just like, no, no, because you don't want to stand up. Like they don't know where we are. And they, then they saw him. Right. And he got lit up like a Christmas tree. I've never <laughs> seen so many bullets hit a guy in a video game before, but he went flying. Jeez. But we we did our job. The other guys came up, and then a helicopter and another tank showed up, and they took care of them, and they we got the base. I was like, yes, this is why I love Battlefield. These little moments. Yeah. Those uh, only in Battlefield moments. Well, I mean, regardless of how the launch goes, I mean, it's not like we're not going to have any other games to play, because there is a lot of games about to drop. So if Battlefield needs to wait, Battlefield can wait. Especially since Halo Infinite's going to be out around that time frame. 
and there's still rumors going around that it might be on Game Pass. What, Battlefield? Battlefield. Mm-hmm. I love these Game Pass acquisitions. Oh, yeah. Any $60 I don't have to pay is a good day. Yeah, I mean, Back for Blood, I'm playing that because of Game Pass. Speaking of Back for Blood, I, I played a little of it today, and I- I'm not really going to go into it too much, because I'm sure me and Jacques are going to gloat over it in the next episode. But <laughs> it just sucks that it-, it doesn't have PvP campaign, like Left 4 Dead. It's not there. That is surprising. And they have no intentions of putting it in because they said, uh, well, you know, we have it, it would it would be unbalanced. And, and then they mentioned the card system would be an issue. I'm like, well, <laughs> frick the card system. Then I wish they took that out. Right. Then. If that's preventing PVP campaign, get rid of that shit. I don't care about cards huh. like frick that. that. They just don't want to make a whole new card set for the infected and try to balance it all out. And they don't think it's possible but anything's possible piss poor excuse like, i don't want to hear it from them but i'm enjoying it this might be being all negative but yeah i really like it it's it has a few bugs here and there but for the most part pretty solid launch it's not being negative it's a positive criticism yeah there you go it's a fun little game to play with your friends not little you know, you know what i'm saying but it, it's right. it's something to screw around with on the weekend and it's definitely going to keep me busy until Halo Infinite comes out. Do I have anything else? Let's see. I think I played one other. Oh, of course. I just finished Dishonored 2. I blew through this game in two days. Oh, wow. It's a 12-hour game, but I was able to finish it in seven and a half hours, which is well below the average playtime. Did you decide you just had enough of Deathloop and was like, let me go play a good Arcane Studios game? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, well, I beat <laughs> Deathloop, but I wanted to check out Dishonored 2. I'm like, is this game better? Because I remember this getting a lot of great reviews, and I looked it up on Metacritic, has an 88, the same score as Deathloop. I was like, yeah, like, let me just check this out. So I played it. The stealth is better. The story is better. The 4K Xbox One enhancements in this game, because it came out in 2016, the game, and they did the enhancement in 2017. It looks amazing. It, in some areas, it even looks better than Deathloop, and that's a PS5 game. Hmm. Now, does it look better, like just because of the artistic approach? Like, could it be just like you enjoy the way Dishonored 2 looks more as opposed to Deathloop? Or I think is it that's just it. like because Deathloop okay. looks very vanilla. A lot of the areas in the game. This looks. So remember that being. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I remember that was one of the things that I remember looking back at when I went through Dishonored 1, um, just the art style and the way the colors mesh and everything, like, it was a very pretty game to look at, and then Dishonored 2 came out, and it was, it, even, it capitalized even on that. I think the only thing Deathloop has over it is the facial graphics, the faces and all that. Looks way better in Deathloop. But there's something about Dishonored's universe that just grabs my attention. It takes place yeah. in the late 1800s in this alternate reality. There's like robots and all kinds of other crazy shit going on. A bunch of assassins. and Deathloop has a similar formula. Like what you're doing in it is, is very similar. Oh, yeah. But this game just seems better. Not I won't, I won't say in every way, but it, it's just 
it's got a higher budget. I will say that. It's definitely got a bigger budget, the game. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen of Deathloop, I mean, I wasn't that impressed with it from what I have seen. Um, when I compare it to Dishonored, Dishonored has a lot more, just more to it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the best analogy I can think of it is take a sandbox and go play in it. Now add a lot of toys and other things that you can do with it, and then right. you get Dishonored. Whereas Deathloop is just the empty sandbox. And not much variety in the scenery in Deathloop. You get four small right. little maps, and you do them over and over and over and over. With Dishonored, it's it's more of a traditional campaign. You get to see new areas, go to new towns, visit new people, and, right. and taking out the targets in Dishonored is way more satisfying because there's like a million different ways you can take them out. With Deathloop, it, it gives you the illusion that you can take these guys out in different ways, but it kind of wants you to do it in a particular way or maybe one or, or maybe two other ways and that's it. But Dishonored is, I don't know. I'll, I'll just say this. Dishonored, way better game. Way better game. I know that's going to piss off some Deathloop fans, but yeah, Deathloop is just an overrated game. I, I think it's good, but this yeah. is game of the year talk, best shooter in the past 15 years now. I'm sorry. I don't see it. Just because it's new doesn't make it better. Yeah. If this game wins best shooter of the year, I'm going to be upset. I mean, I'm sure worse games have won better awards, so. <laughs> I think Halo Infinite has a shot. Oh, absolutely. From what I played of the beta, I was very happy with it. Oh, you played it? Oh, I didn't play the beta. How, how was it? Um, I enjoyed it. Now, I will say it was pretty jarring because um, on Monday nights, I do have my um, my group usually plays, and that's my group of uh, friends. Some of us work nights um, and have set days off. Some of us work in an office. I mean, I'm retail, so it's just, you know, I work when I work. But Mondays is the one night that we've set aside where we can actually all play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's me, my wife, uh, my best friend, Tim, and then another close buddy of mine named Josh. We all get on and we usually play Firefight or Sea of Thieves or something like that. So we've been playing a lot of Firefight lately um, because when that whole controversy happened with Activision, I pretty much swore off a of Call of Duty until that all kind of blew over. But we went back to Master Chief Collection, so I've been playing a lot of Halo Reach, Halo 2. Me and Ashley actually recently went through Halo Reach's campaign. Like, we got up, we had breakfast, we started it because she had never played Reach, and we beat it later that night. That's a great way to start the day. We got breakfast, we sat down and ate. <laughs> You're like, hey, you want to play some Halo Reach? Yeah, sure. It was a great day. I felt like I was 16. That That's awesome. I love that. And uh, she was hooked, too, so, I mean, like, it was so funny, because, like, one of her favorite characters from the get-go was George, and, like, she started, like, hanging out with him, I'm like, oh, no, he's the first one to die. <laughs> I'm gonna love this. <laughs> um, But playing the classic Halo controls and everything, and then going to Halo Infinite, where you have the Halo 5 controls, where now aiming is the left trigger, you have a built-in sprint... And it feels more Call of Duty controls, but it still has that Halo feel. It was very interesting to come f- like straight off of Halo Reach um, and Halo One, and because we decided we we're gonna go since we started. Oh, excuse me. Um, since we started with Halo Reach, we've decided over the course of time we're gonna go through Halos One, Two, Three, Four, uh, ODST, and so on and so forth, so we can see chronologically what this game looks like. 
but the beta was really good. It played really well. The only thing is it was definitely plagued by a lot of crashes. Um, mm. I think my game crashed four or five times in the course of Damn. about four or five hours. Yes. And towards like the last 30 minutes of the beta being live, like it was so laggy. Take some of our Battlefield or not Battlefield, but Battlefront 2 lobbies from the original Xbox at their worst. Oh, and God. that's about how bad the lag was. That's not good. <laughs> People were like flying around like Superman. Dude, that's that's about what it felt like. So it was like all of a sudden having a sniper rifle was a disadvantage. But funny you I mentioned, say, I, I didn't not, to, not to cut you off, but it's funny you mentioned crashes. I, I just want to mention real quick that when I was playing the Battlefield 2042 beta, it completely shut my Xbox Series X off. And I felt the vent on it. It was really hot. Mm. For a second, I was like, oh, man, is it my system? Let me go on Reddit and other people and see what they're saying. No, it was crashing for other people, too. Uh, even Angry Joe, his big rig PC completely shut off when he was playing the beta. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's it's an it's an issue. So I was happy to hear that, though, because I thought my system was going to die or something right but anyway yeah back to halo infinite i'm sorry i cut you off yeah it's it's really good um it made me really excited for it still worry about that campaign because they're not really showing it the more and more i think about it i'm kind of expecting mediocre uh halo huh expecting a mediocre campaign i'm not expecting mediocre i mean we got through halo 4 from what I've heard of it, I feel like I'm expecting something like a Halo 3 ODST campaign, because they keep saying it's going to be open world, it's going to be the biggest one. I'm one of the few that actually really enjoyed Halo ODST, but I don't know what's going to happen with this one. I know one thing that kind of frustrates me with the Halo franchise, and they've been doing this ever since uh, Halo 3, is that in order for you to connect the games together, you have to read or listen to all of the books in between the games. Because I remember 5 ended with Cortana going rogue, and then like we saw this last gameplay trailer, and they're like, yeah, Cortana's been dealt with. I'm like, I'm sorry, what happened? I feel like I missed something. Wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold, the, hold the phone here. They said that about Cortana? I didn't know that. Yeah, because Chief walks onto a, on the bridge of a, like a, I don't know if it was a derelict, but he walks onto the bridge of a ship, and he said he was tracking Cortana, and there's like this, she looks like a copy of Cortana, um, and he's asking about her, and she just says, the rogue AI known as Cortana has been dealt with, and I'm like, hang on, when we last saw this, Cortana was like off to go destroy the whole galaxy with all the other AIs, and now she's just dealt with? She EMPs them at the end of five, right? Like, yeah. What, what, you can't just settle that off screen. Exactly. Are you what? Oh man! See, now that makes me really worried about this campaign. Shit, I didn't and know that. See, and that's like with Halo Four and Halo Five, because in between Four and Five, there's novels where they fought the Didact like two more times off screen, and then they come back, and then you have Halo Five, and I'm like, y'all are really starting to alienate your fan base at this point. Y'all have got to connect the games. It's cool if you want to do novels in between but you can't make it an essential part of the story like between halos one and two there was three novels and the only thing that you missed was how johnson got off the ring and was in halo 2 that was the only essential part that you missed but you're skipping off of the whole cliffhanger here 
this is a big problem with the Halo games. I, I, I that yeah, you're right. They have a really bad time connecting the books and the games together. I, I think a lot of the good Halo stories are in the books. They are, and, I, and I'm gonna say it right now. I don't care if somebody gets pissed off. The Halo game stories, not that great. Some of them are good in, in their own ways with cer- certain moments in it, but the overall story. The past 20 years of Halo video games, I, I don't think they're that great. I think Halo's 1 through 3 in the games, the stories were great. But once 343 got a hold of it, it's it's a whole different thing. I mean, the stories aren't bad as far as first-person shooters go. But when you compare them to the extended lore and the books, the, the stories don't even compare. Even some of my favorite one-liners from Chief exist in the game. I'm sorry, they exist in the books because there's there's a book that's called Halo Silent Storm, which talks about like Chief's first deployment with Blue Team when they're like Spartans. It's like their first official deployment. And then the captain of the ship they're serving under finds out they're actually kids. And he's like, I'm not deploying children into a war zone shit goes down and they actually have to or I think Chief just decides you know what I'm bred for this I'm going he comes back and the captain keeps calling him son and eventually Chief's just like sir I just got to ask you I don't know what my real dad looks like at this point but I'm pretty sure you're not him stop calling me son and I'm like this is stuff I would like to see in a game why does this always get reserved for books it's the writing teams I mean Sure, 343 makes the games, but if you want a good story, it all comes down to the writer. And I think the writers yeah. they pick for the games aren't that great. Uh, nowhere near as good as the book writers. Not even close. And one other thing about that book, the Silent Storm book, that's that whole book is also Chief and Johnson's first interaction, because Johnson has to coach him through playing politics in the Navy. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta get into those books. I mean, I know a little bit, but I never really sat down and read them. Yeah, if you got some recommendations for me, uh, you know, let me know. Just, I'll make a note of it. Audible. All day, every day. Audible, yeah. That's right, yeah, of course. I don't read books. <laughs> I still got, like, two Alien books, uh, audio books I, I haven't even finished, so, yeah. But, but yeah, I'll, I will definitely add some Halo ones to the backlog. All right, well, I guess that's it for what we're playing this week. Uh, Speaking of kids versus adults, Uh-oh. I think we have a topic we're about to go to. Yeah. Segway. <laughs> Good segue. Yeah. Uh, this week's topic is called Gaming as We Age. And I don't know about you, Indy. I'm not getting any younger. No. My reflexes are still pretty damn good, but I can't do these 10, 12-hour gaming sessions anymore like I could when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Those days are gone. Gone, gone, gone. I mean, I like I said, I pulled one off recently with Halo Reach, but I'll tell you what, man, when we finished, I like I was sore just from sitting down playing video games. My back hurt, my hips hurt, my legs hurt, and like, where the hell is this coming from? Like, I feel 17, like I feel like I just blew through a game on the weekend, but what is all this extra stuff? We're getting old. That's just it i mean we gotta f- face the facts i mean we we can't keep playing like that anymore i mean i'm sure some of you guys no. can in your 30s because I'm, I'm 31 and i'm starting to feel it so yep 
I don't know, how old are you, Andy? What are you, 30, 29? Uh, I'm 30. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so I'm not that much older. But just about, just about a little bit. But I, I have health <laughs> issues, so, I mean, that adds to it. Yeah. If you're in perfect health and you're 30, you're, you're probably playing like you're 16. So it's just it, everybody's different. What really feels different for you now that you've you've been playing games for probably 25 years? I don't know how old you were when you started, but do you feel like you appreciate more when it comes to games or have your tastes refined? Like, what is the experience like for you now that you're older and now we're actually we've hit an age where it seems like we have more money to buy games. We have less time to play games. So. I know for me, it's like the times I get to sit down and actually have a quality gaming uh, session, I definitely appreciate it a lot more than I used to, but I know my tastes have also changed as far as games go, so I'll let you kick this off. What does gaming feel like for you versus when it did, say, when we first met, when we were playing Battlefront 2 almost every other night? Well, when we first met, we didn't have a lot of money <laughs> to buy games. So we kept playing the same True. games over and over. Just, you know, Battlefront. I just play Battlefront or I play Knights of Republic or I play Fallout or something. But these days, with Game Pass and PS Now and these 90% off sales, we're swimming in games. I, I, I really believe we are living in the golden age. We would have killed to have these many games when we were younger. Oh, Absolutely kids growing up now man just you get a portable nintendo switch when i was growing up i had a, a tiger electronics because i couldn't even afford a game Boy. <laughs> so right those old pieces of shit yeah as i've gotten older i've started to appreciate single player more and i've always been into single player uh story-based games right. you know when i was younger but now it's like that's all I want to play and multiplayer is not the main focus anymore. And I still dabble in it. You know, I'm going to be playing a lot of halo infinites multiplayer when it comes out and I'll mess around with battlefield and all that. But most days I just want to play a single player game. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm old. I don't want to talk to a bunch of random 15 year olds online all the time, screaming into the microphone and all that. I, I, I've just had enough of that. I know Jacques the same way too. I can speak for him about this. Uh, when he was younger, you know, we were in the Battlefront clan and all that. We just played multiplayer like 80% of the time. But as he's gotten older, he's just single player almost all day. I, I mean, we don't play a whole lot of multiplayer that much anymore. Occasionally we'll play some hockey or, you know, right. we're going to be playing some back for blood soon. Yeah, he's just 100% introvert like me now. So we were just getting lost in these these magical worlds that they keep creating. Yeah, my tastes have definitely changed. I I'm still a big shooter guy. That hasn't changed. I, I love playing shooters. Give me a shooter any day of the week, I'm going to play it. Still pretty good, too. I thought I was getting rusty. In our Battlefront 2 clan matches, like... You and I were doing stuff that our classes should not have been capable of doing. You're running engineer with a shotgun and constantly leading the team. And I was running the basic grunt. And I remember when I joined the team, everybody was like, who the hell is this grunt and why is he killing us? <laughs> so to go from that to where we are now, where it's, you know, 
we don't stay up to like three o'clock in the morning playing Battlefront Two anymore, no. or three o'clock in the morning building a Halo custom game and a new Forge map. Oh yeah, those Stargate maps we used to make. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, and it's funny that you bring up the Game Pass and play PS Now, where kids just have all of these games. I mean, for you and me, like back in the day, if we wanted a new game. It was going into custom Halo 3 and like, let's go make a new game. Because the amount of custom games we had, we would stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning just playing custom games. Whether it was uh, the Labyrinth mode where, you know, where somebody was playing as a juggernaut that couldn't be killed in a maze and everybody was just like playing hide and seek. Or we invented a Batman game in Halo where we just, just stacked up crates and people had, or the Batman had to run on top of the crates and just try and take people out one by one. Hell, we created the damn um, uh, Predator mode from Arkham Asylum in Halo before Batman Arkham ever even came out. You're right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very different age at this point. And I feel like back then, like you said, I mean, we were kids. We didn't have a whole lot of money, so you made do with what you had. We could play the same game for three years and it still didn't get old. But now that we have access to an endless library of games, that's constantly being changed out. It's easy to not be satisfied with like that one game anymore. So at this point, when you have a multiplayer genre, that's constantly trying to copy what's popular now, like what's the meta for this? Can I apply it to that? I don't have the time or energy to jump into every multiplayer game and try and be the best when I know as soon as I put my headset on, I jump into a multiplayer lobby, that 16-year-old monster energy drink guzzling kid is there and he wants to compete. But the 30-year-old that just got off of an eight-hour shift whose legs are killing him and is sleep-deprived is like, bro, we ain't got it anymore. We could do it. I I think we could get to that level again if we, like, played in clans and leagues, but I don't want to do that shit anymore. No, I don't have the time or energy for it. Now, I will say this. I'm really going to try hard with Halo Infinite competitively. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to join leagues or anything like that, but I'm actually going to put all my energy and effort into a match. Like, I'm going to give it my all. Oh, I'm sure I will, too. That's what it really is at the end of the day. I I think we're still young enough to have those reflexes and skill. It's mm-hmm. just we don't play. I'm not playing Call of Duty all day. I'm, I'm just not. I, I When I play a new Call of Duty, I usually just play the campaign, screw around with the multiplayer for a little bit, and then be like, all right, next game. I'm done. I will say it definitely has or makes me have a lot more respect for those guys that were leading the clans and leading our teams that are, that were our age, that how old we are now back then. Like uh, me, if I try and think about trying to lead a team right now on top of work and everything, I'm like, I can't even begin to fathom. Like it stresses me out just thinking about it. Could barely do a podcast, let alone run a team on a video game and compete in leagues. (laughs) And see, like me, like right now, I'm I'm currently writing a new Dungeons and Dragons campaign, and our first sessions is on the 24th. And I'm like, I've got it, it feels like I'm almost back in school. It's like, okay, I got two weeks to finish this project. Don't get me wrong, I love it. It's fun, but it is time consuming. It is tiring. So it's just as you get older, you know, you have more to your life than just gaming. Like I remember back in the day, man. Like 
I would decline going and hanging out with friends because it's like, dude, I got clan practice on Battlefront. I and they were like, really? That's what you're gonna do? It's like, yeah. It's like, well, for t- two things. First off, I promised these guys I was gonna be at practice. So regardless of what you think, I don't care. Second of all, I would actually rather go to practice than go out because what little bit of money I have, I get to save. And I can probably save up and go buy, t- buy Knights of the Old Republic 2 if I don't go hang out with you guys. Now it's like, oh, KOTOR 2 is for sale again on a different platform. Fuck it, I'll buy it for the sixth time, because why not? Indy was doing the right thing. He was saving his money for Knights of the Old Republic 2. <laughs> That's my boy right there. And it's funny, because I actually remember this train of thought, because this, this is a real story, where my friends are like, really, you have a clan match, or you have practice? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I made a commitment to hang out with these guys and go play, or practice, because we have a match this weekend. And I remember thinking, like, you guys wanted to go to the movies, you guys wanted to go to the food court and have dinner, and I'm like, I I would really rather save my money, because the Sith Lords is coming out really soon, and... Like, the trailer's awesome, and I would rather just save my money. Yeah, I was the same way. (laughs) Once in a while, I'd go to the theater with friends, but I'm like, hey, come on. I'm trying to save up for an Xbox 360. I don't want to mess with you guys. To this day, I don't regret the decision, because I want to say the movie they were going to go see was like another Die Hard or something like that. It Uh, It was something very forgettable. Um, and then I remember Knights of the Republic came out a couple of weeks later and I went and bought it and I was like, best decision ever. I mean, the original KOTOR game was my first game on that old Xbox console. And then I quickly moved over to KOTOR 2. I beat that. I was like, oh, this, the second game's out. I'm like, I, I gotta get it. Like, I gotta get it. Yep. And I was very disappointed with the first hour of that game. But once you get past that mining facility garbage, great story. I remember having so many mixed feelings because I remember booting it up, playing it, and I was like, oh my god, what the hell happened to the Ebon Hawk? Like, okay, so T3's here, HK's busted up, Am I okay, so where's Revan? I had to go find Revan, and then we're getting pulled in, I'm like, who the fuck is this other random character, and why am I not Revan? And then it was like, wait, I'm starting off with Force Powers this time? Oh my god, this is amazing, and then ten minutes later, it's like, where's my lightsaber? Why am I naked? What are all these robots? This fucking sucks. Hey, let's see what happened to this facility. Why is everybody dead? Let's spend the next two hours figuring it out. Oh, my God. I don't care. Who is this great value version of Carthonassi? Who are you? Why are you here? But anyway, we're veering off topic. <laughs> we are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how I'm going to be when I'm like in my 60s. I'm still playing games. I don't know what kind of games we're going to be playing around that time. Is it virtual reality? Halo 2. Are, are we Halo 2? <laughs> I'm still going to be playing Nice of Republic 2. <laughs> well, here's what's going to happen, is that we'll all probably be in homes of some kind. In our 60s? I don't know about that. Well, I mean, I, you never know. I mean, homes of gamers at this point, because it might be a preferred thing, because now the the retirement homes are just going to be homes with constant LAN parties. All the time. So that, that dude that's awesome. sitting there saying he fucked your mom, you can take your cro- or walker like down to uh, his door and be like, you motherfucker, what did you say about my mother? Oh, God. <laughs> Will it be all virtual reality? That's the question. Are we going to have something like The Matrix or Ready Player One? I'm ready for it. I know it's going to be an MMO game. 
because that's what Ready Player One is. There's been one big massive MMO game. But that's the only way you're going to get me to play an MMO if you put me inside an actual digital world because <laughs> I don't like playing them now. Aging sucks. Yeah, I know. I know. We're gonna get. We're gonna get there. I, I'm. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be old. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't think it necessarily sucks because I mean, well, yes, my taste for multiplayer games has definitely dwindled. I have a much higher appreciation for single player games now. So, like, the games I look forward to now versus the games I look forward to then, I mean, back then, going to a Halo Midnight release was like, this is happening. I'll request off of work. I'll just, I'll clear my schedule. I'm going to be there. And I'll probably be there, like, three hours early just chatting with random people. Nowadays, it's like a Halo Midnight. Okay, whoop de doo I don't even have time to play it tonight. I'll play it later in the week. But if you tell me God of War Ragnarok is coming out, I'm like, all right, um, I'm going to pre-install. I might start it at midnight. I might get 30 minutes into it just to get past the intro. And then that'll at least kick it off because it's a single player game. I don't feel pressured to get on and match my schedule with somebody else's saying, hey, I'm going to play Battlefield tonight. Do you want to play and go through all that? It's just it's there whenever I want to play it. Yeah, it's well said. When I was younger, I went to them all the time. Like I went, to, I mentioned some already on the show. Uh, the crazy mm-hmm. story with the Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two. I still hilarious. love that story so much. <laughs> <laughs> Over 150 people on that line, and then all that crazy shit that happened. Go, go. Oh, I don't know which episode it is. Go through the archive and find it. I'm, I, I'm too lazy to go look, but yeah, <laughs> hilarious story. It's, it was during the surprise mechanic section, so that'll help you guys out. Uh, yeah, I, I've been to Arkham Asylums, uh, the, the Call of Duty I just mentioned, uh, Alien Isolation. That was the last one I went to. It's 2014. That was the last midnight you went to? Yeah. That oh, was wow. It. Yeah. After that, I'm like, I'm done with this. I'll just wait the next day. So I will say for a legit midnight, like where the game did not release till midnight, um, because I've been to 9 o'clock launches since GameStop stopped doing Midnights and they just released the game at 9 o'clock now. I remember me and Ash had moved into our first apartment and I was off the next day. I think Ashley had PTO or something like that, but it was like 11 o'clock. We couldn't sleep. We were like, what do you want to do tonight? And we just said, fuck it. Because Pokemon Sun and Moon, I think, were coming out the next day. And GameStop was literally in the shopping complex across the street from our apartment complex. So it was like five minutes. It's like, screw it. Let's just go down to GameStop. So on a whim, I knew we had it pre-ordered for her, but I don't remember if we had it paid it off. But we just decided, hey, they're doing a midnight. Let's just go. So we went and we picked up Pokemon at midnight. And I was dog tired. I remember we took a picture together and I remember my eyes were so bloodshot. And I'm like, yep, this is the look of a 28-year-old man who is going to a midnight for Pokemon after an eight-hour shift. That's when you know you're a big-ass nerd. Yeah, you're on a whole other plane of existence. But the last time I went to a retailer to pick up a physical copy of a game at the earliest I could possibly get it, was uh, Marvel Spider-Man. It was because, the, again, I was getting off work at T-Mobile, and we had a GameStop two doors down from us. And I knew the manager was like, you know what, screw it. I'm getting off 8 o'clock, the game's coming out at 9 o'clock, I'm just going to hang out. 
So I hung out at the store and then walked out, went and talked to the manager. He's like, hey, Andy, what's up? Chat with him for a minute. And I was chatting with him at the door. So I kind of skipped the whole line, got my copy and left. I don't know. I don't really miss those days. I don't either. Now I just buy most of my games digitally when I buy them. Uh, the only physical Same. games I purchase is Switch and my PS3 collection. That's it. But anyway, uh, I'm sorry. We're really veering off the, the, the topic, but there's really nothing else to say about it. I mean, we're getting older. Our reflexes will dwindle at some point. Probably when I'm in my 40s, I'm going to probably start to see it. We'll get there. We'll get there. I'll beat you to it <laughs> by a year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess it's time to move on to surprise mechanics. This is my favorite part of the show. Oh, boy. This is uh, always an interesting thing we do because mm-hmm. we don't know what we're bringing to the table. Well, most most episodes we don't know. Sometimes we do, but it, it could be anything. It could be a trivia. It could be a game, a story, what I ate for breakfast this morning, how I took out the trash and a raccoon attacked me. It could, literally could be anything. <laughs> So, Indy, what is your surprise mechanic? Mike, you had a little bit of homework uh, for mine, and um, Jacques is going to join us in spirit for this, because I have his list as well. But uh, the three of us went developer shopping. I sent Mike and Jacques a list of developers with values based off of how well that developer's doing, if they've put out a lot of hits, if they've put out like a fair amount of flops as opposed to their hits. Um, and some developers that are just kind of like one trick ponies, they put out the same game and may have a different skin to it, but it's the same game every time and they sell that one game really well. And what the surprise mechanic is, is you had $140 to buy these developers none of us have the same developers. So once that developer was bought, it was gone. Um, which I didn't have to explain that because Mike and Jacques bought completely different developers, which made this super easy. And once they've got their developers, they were sent a second list of movies and TV shows, and they had to assign a license to that developer saying what type of game that developer would make with that particular license. So I love I'll this. actually start off with uh, with Jacques' list. And then, Mike, I'll let you give yours, and then I'll give mine. Sounds good. So Jacques went with Obsidian, um, and he actually kind of went into detail as to why he went with the developers that he did. He was trying to build like the perfect first-party team for his console, Um, at least the impression that I got. So he bought Obsidian, uh, and they will be his primary RPG studio, but they have proven to be very versatile with games like Grounded. Uh, he bought Remedy, another versatile studio. They blend action and horror game, or I'm sorry, horror genres extremely well while maintaining a strong narrative. After the success of Control, their star is rising. Uh, he also bought Bungie, which actually surprised me because I did not think any of us would buy Bungie. Oh God! Uh, he no. says when it comes no. to first-person shooters, they are best in class and have a long history of creating standard-setting new IPs. Um, he kind of goes on to explain how with their history with Halo and Destiny, they're kind of a no-brainer as far as buying a first-party, first-person shooter studio. Uh, he also bought From Software, because nobody can make roguelikes like them, and if you want their games, you're going to have to come to him to play their games. So that was a financial move for him, because they do have a very strong fi- uh, 
fan base. Uh, and his last one was Playground. Um, let's see. I had to scroll down. Because originally I said it was Turn 10 because I got Turn 10 and Playground mixed up for some reason. Uh, I did a lot of this while I was at work because I was also distracted. But he came up with a playground because uh, they continue to make the most popular racing games on the planet with the Forza Horizon series and the fifth installment releasing this year looks to be the best yet. In addition, they are reviving the Fable series. So once again, another versatile um, studio. So a very strong lineup of studios. Yeah. Nobody on that list has, has a history of making bad games. No. And I'm not going to lie, when I saw his list of who he assigned what movies to and the ideas he had, I was like, damn. Yeah, he really thought about it. He really did, um, because originally I was like, I'm going to send Jacques the stuff and let him build his list. And then I would see Jacques typing, and then I would see him not typing. And then I'd see him typing and not typing. It's like, oh, he's really giving this some thought. He's really liking this. Because my original thought was, Mike, I was going to give me and you the list of movies while we were recording, mm. so we could try and keep it as fair as possible between the two of you, between the two of us about having to come up with this stuff on the fly. But he went so in depth. I'm like, Jacques is going to kick our ass with game ideas because he had time to do this. I was like, I'm going to have to just send the list to Mike. I only did that with one game. Like, I really went in detail with it. Here's a here's Jacques' list. Uh, he is going to give Men in Black to Obsidian. <laughs> All right. The game will be an open world RPG. You start out as a recruit in the MIB. You level up by getting promotions. You'll have a different partner with each promotion, thus filling out your party. You can customize them as well. You'll get your assignments from your boss and you get to drive there and investigate. You'll get a bunch of cool weapons like the movies, and Obsidian is known for their writing and humor, so you'll be dealing with office politics, moral dilemmas like, should I disobey an order and let this harmless alien go? Um, and you'll also have a reputation meter keeping track of your decisions. When I read this idea, I was like, I really want to see this. I want to see the team that was responsible for Outer Worlds making uh, a Men in Black game. It just sounds amazing to me. When I first heard Men in Black and Obsidian, I, I laughed. But after you reading that, yeah, I kind of want it now. That sounds cool. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty good. It's good. Good job, Jacques. His second one, um, he utilizes Remedy to make a game based off of Inception. Mm. It'd be a third-person action thriller. The cast of characters is all new, and it takes place a few years after the movie. A mysterious wealthy woman hires you to put a team together to incept an idea into a target's head. That's all you know starting out. From there, you have to recruit each team member. Um, kind of like with Mass Effect 2, where you're kind of being given a dossier and you have to kind of track down and figure out what they know. Um, Remedy has a knack for the bizarre, and he says this fits very well with the dream world of Inception. It is their canvas to paint any picture they can imagine. All the characters' fears and memories will manifest in different ways in the dream world, um, sometimes attacking you. You'll get to choose your own totem, which will let, which will tell you if you're in the real world or the dream world. It won't always be clear. I mean, Inception and Remedy, to me, that's like peanut butter and jelly. That, that doesn't get any better. Damn, Jacques, you really made that pot of coffee and sat down and <laughs> with a typewriter 
and really got, went into it and just like, all right. I know. Like I was reading, there's like, these are like legit pitches and I really want to see these happen. Um, his third idea is, I don't want to say it's my favorite, but it's the one that brings the biggest smile to my face. Cause I would love to see this happen. Um, this is his game by Bungie. And he wants Bungie to make a Starship Troopers game. Ooh. It's a first-person shooter, full single-player campaign, or up to four-player co-op campaign. No live service bullshit. Uh, multiplayer will be an eight-person horde mode against the bugs on large-scale maps. Another mode will be four versus four, soldiers versus bugs on small to medium-sized maps. Essentially, beast mode from Gears of War 3. Now, imagining a horde mode for Starship Troopers made by Bungie, I'm all for this. I like this idea, but I don't know if Bungie has it in them to make a game like that. I I do agree there are developers that could do it better, but seeing as how we all drafted our developers before I gave you the list for movies, for who he has picked, I love this idea. I think my ideal developer for this, this idea would be the Coalition um, just because they've done Gears of War, and I think they've nailed that horde mode um, formula. But either way, I want to see a formula or a horde mode with Starship Troopers. Um, I mean, it also the- goes on to say, "Sorry, go ahead." No, I said at the end of the day, I don't really care though, because just give me a Starship Troopers game. Like, I'll take anything. Um, he also goes on to say, like, uh, you could totally just kind of get their likeness and get them to come over and do voiceover because none of the people in those movies are really doing anything at this point. All right, so moving on, his his next two are pretty self-explanatory. Um, for From Software, he would actually take the Van Helsing license. <laughs> his description was, do I really need to explain this one? It's just Bloodborne with a Van Helsing reskin, and everyone will eat it up. Yeah, he's right. That's a perfect combination. Yeah, I mean, I would eat that up all day, every day. Part of the reason why I fell in love with Bloodborne so hard is because it had that aesthetic. Now, the next one... I, like, my jaw hit the floor, because I need this in my life so fucking bad. Um, It's his game by Playground. It'd be a modern-day Star Wars pod racer game. (laughs) I like it. I like this one. That's good. A pod racing game in that engine, I'm like, I need it. I need it so hard. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I I could see another pod racing game at some point. Oh, absolutely. I, I like the pod racing in the Phantom Menace. I think it's a little too long and there's yeah. some unnecessary scenes, but I like where their head was at with that. But uh, that was Jacques' list. So, uh, Mike, you're up, sir. I don't know if I'm going to wow people after Jacques' list, but I'll try my best. All right. So I picked Naughty Dog, Insomnia Games, Bluepoint Games, and id Software. I only went into detail with one of them. The other ones are kind of just, here's just a general idea. You you get the picture kind of thing. Now, for Naughty Dog, I picked Star Wars. It's a third-person action-adventure game. A whole new story set in a far, far future. 1,000 years later, a major war happened that left the entire galaxy in ruins. A highly technological, advanced alien race showed up and destroyed everyone. There was no option for surrender. The invaders took the cold and violent approach. All the strongest Mm -hmm. planets teamed up to fight them off, but they failed. 
Sounds like if they lost the war with the Yusong Vong in uh, Legends. I'm thinking someone bigger, though. Okay. Really technologically advanced. It makes everybody else look like they're playing with World War II weapons or something. Oh, wow. So the ones that survived the war were all turned into slaves. So all the major planets like Coruscant, they're just... I don't want to say concentration camps, but you know they're, they're working camps. Let's just say that, like they're, they're okay. just they're just being used to resource the planet, and that's it. You and a few surviving Jedi decide to travel to the unknown regions in search of rumored ancient dark side teachings of unbelievable power. They realize they have no chance against this threat and have accepted that they must go down a dark path to bring peace back in the galaxy. Oh. So they're they're like looking for some crazy shit, maybe stuff right. like nihilus, that kind of stuff, that okay level of power. I'd love to see this. All right, next is hold on, my phone shut off. <laughs> Insomniac Games making a Star Trek game. It's an action adventure RPG. Just think Mass Effect. There you go. That's pretty much it. I would love to see that. Because we just can't get a good Star Trek game. It just doesn't happen. No. My next one is Blue Point Games. And I pick Stargate because you put it on one of the lists. I'm like, well, I got to pick that. <laughs> so I want them to make a tactical first-person shooter. Semi-open world when you go, into, go to the planets. Okay. And uh, that's all I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> Someone told me that Stargate was going to be on your list at some point. Yeah. Not just because I put it there just for you, but... The moment I saw Stargate, I'm like, well, that's on the list. All right, what's next? <laughs> so, I don't know where you're going to go, but there's a spot for you somewhere on here. Now the last one's id Software. I want them to make an Aliens first-person shooter. That would be awesome. It's obviously not going to play like Doom. You're not going to be running around at, no. like, freaking cheetah speed. Didn't it was it the one that made Prey as well? I think that was Arcane Studios. Okay, I knew it was a Bethesda subsidiary, but I wasn't sure. But yeah, that's it. That's my list. Very simple. Jacques wins the end. <laughs> so, um, my list I drafted uh, Creative Assembly, BioWare, Tango Gameworks, who did The Evil Within, uh, Sucker Punch who did Ghost of Tsushima and Infamous, and Quantic Dream, who did Beyond Two Souls and Detroit Become Human. Um, so with those titles in mind, uh, we're going to start with Creative Assembly, take the team that made Alien Isolation with the same AI that the Alien has, and reskin it as a Jurassic Park game, and give that AI to Velociraptors and make it a survival horror game. I want that right now. Please yeah. <laughs> give it to me. It, you announce it, I'll buy it. I'll pre-order it. If I saw that, I, I mean, just imagining going through that park, like just knowing that when you enter this pit or this area, you're in a Dilophosaurus like breeding ground. The raptors are a constant threat. So the, there is a raptor that is chasing you throughout the duration of the game with other dinosaurs mixed in. And the threats are constantly shifting and changing, but a raptor hunting you is a constant thing that is always happening, is the vision that I had for this game. No guns, correct? No guns. Okay, good. Because that would change the tides. Well, maybe not against the Velociraptors, because they are 
highly intelligent and Muldoon was outsmarted by one in the jungle. I mean, you could probably, uh, I would still incorporate things like we know you could barricade doors um, or you could throw objects as a distraction, but it is meant to be like, you do not fight back. You run, you hide, you survive kind of thing. Yeah. Get contact with the outside world and hope and pray that they're going to come and get you. Yeah, pretty much. Your objective is to escape the island. Um, The next game on my list is a Bioware game. And this one was actually really hard to uh, place, but I settled on Pirates of the Caribbean. It wouldn't follow the movies, per se. Um, Like, you would hear tales of Davy Jones and Jack Sparrow and, like, the legends are there. But it'd be a completely new list of characters... Basically, it's just a pirate game made by Bioware. Recruiting a crew, you have a treasure that you're going after, it spirals into something much bigger than what that entire crew had originally envisioned. Just based off of Mass Effect and Dragon Age, I think a pirate game is well within their wheelhouse, and I would love to see it happen. I love everything about this, but consumers are going to have an issue about Jeff, not Jeff, Captain Jack Sparrow not being a main character in that, or at least being there most of the time. Yeah. Because when you think of Pirates of the Caribbean, my mind thinks of Johnny Depp immediately. Yep, mine does too. So yeah, he's got to be in there more, I think, for this to really take off. I agree, and I'm sure the licensing things that would have to happen there, Disney would probably say the same thing. Um, next one on the list is Tango Gameworks. Uh, same team that made Evil Within. I would actually love to see them make a Judge Dredd game. Third person, over the shoulder game, kind of detective based, but the environments that they create with Evil Within, I mean, you know, just, you know, gory, dirty, just almost dystopian like, especially in dream states and everything like that. I would love to see their environment team make uh, Mega City 1. And just, you're a random judge on the street. You're not necessarily Judge Dredd. He exists in there. But you're a rookie judge. You just got signed up. And you're having to investigate the time in your life that's probably going to be... You're either going to live through this or you're going to die through this kind of thing. Have we ever gotten a Judge Dredd game? I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I mean, he's in Warzone now. Because reasons. I'm not going to count that. No, no, no. I want a Judge Dread game. Yeah, and I don't think there's been one, so... Yeah, I'm I'm totally down for this. Now, my next one, this might... This is one of those games that divides a fan base, I'm sure. Um, and it just falls on what side of the line you fall on as far as what your thoughts are on Terminator Salvation, the one that takes place after uh, Judgment Day. I would love to see Sucker Punch make a Terminator game that takes place in the Wastelands. Because of the environments they made for Infamous and the environments they made for Ghost of Tsushima, I want to see them head to a dystopian world where Terminators are a real threat. Where you can fight, but it is not going to be a fight that you want to have unless you have the upper hand. If you come across a Terminator in the in the wild or you see like a a carrier coming down or something that's there to harvest humans, your gut reaction should be to try and avoid it if you can, fight if you can't. 
and there'd be all kinds of different upgrades along with that. So maybe based off of Terminators that you kill, you gain different abilities. Like this one might have a different attachment that you can kind of rip off and incorporate into your um, arsenal. So there's a lot of different things you could build off of that. In my mind, if we're doing Sucker Punch, taking like the power-ups from Infamous and take that mechanic and put it into a Terminator game. So a good Terminator game. Hmm. Which we don't have a lot of those. Uh, the, really. the last one that came out was shit. It wasn't good. And it's probably one of the better ones, which says a lot. Now, my last one... Honestly, I went back and forth with my last one because my last developer is Quantic Dream. I want to see them do a Star Wars game, but that's actually happening. So I I changed who or what they would get. Quantic Dream doing a Matrix game. And the reason why I settled on Matrix is because that those movies are so equal halves of lore and just over-the-top action... I don't believe that action could happen naturally in a video game and still feel like the Matrix. But I don't I don't feel like any video game could really capture the 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 combat of the Matrix like that quick hand-to-hand kung fu or gunplay. It it doesn't happen naturally in a video game. So the only way you make that work is if you kind of pre-script it and choreograph it and make the game more so about choices you make. And things like that. Like, let's say the Sentinels are coming down on you and you have crew that's in the Matrix right now and you have to make the decision of do you hold out a little bit longer or do you flip that EMP switch and sacrifice those are in, in the in the Matrix and save the crew that's on your ship? Or do you go into the Matrix and try and get them out? So many different decisions that could be based off of a Matrix-style game where you still get that action from the movies, but it's all choreographed, so you don't have to rely on how good the player is. Did this cool combo seem natural? No, it's just... It's like you're watching the movie, the movie progresses based off the decisions you're making or things that you missed. It's funny you mentioned this, because back in the day, I... I I, I told people, like, it'd be cool if Telltale made a Matrix game. No, this is on, like, a whole other level. This is a, a true triple-A uh, Matrix. This is the one I would I really would want. Quantic Dream is a perfect pick for this, because they can definitely nail it. They're great with cinematic cutscenes, and it's, it's like you're watching a movie, but you're still playing a game, but they, they balance it well. Uh, you, know what's, you know what's great about your list, Indy? You're picking hmm. IPs that have had terrible video games. Matrix, terrible video games. Jurassic yep. Park, mostly terrible games, except for the evolution park builder stuff. Right. Um, Terminator. Yeah. The yeah. cesspool. But yeah, I, I really like where your head's at with this, especially Matrix. I mean, we got a new movie coming. It just makes sense to put a game out. And see, that's kind of where my head was. What is like, there's so many bad licensed movie games that I'm like, look, this movie needs the right developer behind it. So particularly Jurassic Park and The Matrix, those are the main two. Is like, I need to make a game for these two movies because they deserve a good story in a video game way. Now, what developer do I hand them to? So for me, Quantic Dream, other than the Star Wars game I want to see, which I'm excited to see, um, and then Creative Assembly, I was like, these are these are the homes for these two movies. 
That like that's where they go. That's there's nobody else who could do those justice except for those two. I love Quantic Dream. I I, lo- I love most of their games. Uh, Detroit Become Human is great. Uh, Beyond Two Souls is excellent. Uh, Heavy Rain, great stories in all of them. So they they know how to write. Definitely. So now comes the surprise part about it because obviously this wasn't much of a surprise for me or you because you know we had to list in advance. What is the surprise for you? is that I'm going to take all of our games, me, you, and Jacques, and I'm going to create a bracket. And then we'll post that bracket to social media, and we'll just have people vote on each game, and we'll, we can do it days at a time, whichever one you think is best for y'all's platform, and we'll just see what's the last game standing. Oh, okay, now, now I'm into this. Now I have a shot at winning. <laughs> that Star Wars Naughty Dog game has a good shot. Exactly. Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I saw Star Wars 1313, I was like, that's a Naughty Dog Star Wars game. That's Uncharted Star Wars. So when you said Naughty Dog and Star Wars, I was like, yes, this this should happen. And then the story you put with it, I'm like, yes, new story. Get away from Empire. I love everything about this. Yeah, I, I'm excited for this. I think it's going to come down to my game, that the Star Wars game. Jacques... Um... What was the first game? It was the... Uh, His Men in Black game by Obsidian. That's it. The Men in Black game, and I think your Matrix game is probably going to be up there with those two as well. There's definitely some good games between the three of us. I'm very curious to see where it goes. Man, I had a lot of fun with that. That was a great surprise mechanic. That that was probably one of my favorite on the show. That was very creative. But now, <laughs> it's time for mine. I swear to God, if you made me guess your top ten again, I'm just no. going to reach through the microphone and punch no, you. No, no. <laughs> it's confession time. Oh, okay. I have to confess my sins. Back in 2016, I platinumed the game I'm not happy about. Like, I- I'm not happy I did this. <laughs> like, I regret it. Barbie's Puppy Rescue. I know Indy's probably shocked right now. He he can't. He's not no, saying anything. Not shocked. I'm um. I'm disappointed. Because <laughs> I'm guessing you did it just because you saw it was an easy platinum. It's not an easy platinum. Okay, that's the thing. It takes about eight to nine hours to platinum the game, and some of the trophies are very grindy. Okay, so now I'm really invested in this story. What would compel you to do that? Well, at the time, I had a PlayStation Vita, and okay. they had PS Now on there, and they don't have it on there anymore, which, by the way, PS Now ran great on that thing. <laughs> now, I was looking through the list of streamable games, and I and I saw Barbie's Puppy Rescue, and I'm like, <laughs> wow, that, that's ridiculous. Let me keep going. But then I stopped, and I went back up there, and I looked at it again, and I'm like, let me just try this. Let me just check it out. Here's the main thing you do in the game. Barbie and her sisters run a pet clinic. And they're grooming their pets. They're, they're taking care of them. They're trying to find new owners. They're rescuing uh, dogs from the, the neighborhood and town. Which, by the way, has a horrible bicycle mechanic in it. When Barbie goes <laughs> on the bike, it's just terrible. It's one of the worst I've seen. And yeah, you just bring them back to the clinic and get them ready for adoption and you go through all of these god-awful minigames with them just 
torture. I'm still trying to figure out, like, why did I want to platinum this game? I, I still don't know to this day. Maybe I thought it would be funny to have that on my uh, profile. But after I did it, I instantly regretted it. I was about to say, uh, eight to nine hours is a lot of time for a laugh. I, I don't know what kind of a mindset I was in while I was playing that. Like, where was I? I could have been playing, what was 2016? Let's see. Uh, Horizon wasn't out yet. Battlefield 1, I think, was out at the time. I could have been playing that. But I went with Barbie's Puppy Rescue. And I spent a lot of time on that. And it's one thing to play that game, Indy. But it's another thing to play that game on the PlayStation Vita via streaming PS Now. That's a whole other thing. This is something I probably shouldn't confess on the show. But it happened. And I just have to accept it. It's part of history. It, it is that. It is a uh, it is a moment that nobody saw coming. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that 2014 to 2016 was a very uh, interesting set of years for you. Because in 2014, Alien Isolation came out, and that's when you went through your big burnout where you sold your PS3. And then two years later, you're playing Barbie Puppy Rescue on a Vita on PlayStation Now. I really don't have anything to say about that. It just happened. It's just one of those things. I'm sure everybody has that one game they regret playing or platinuming or whatever. I'm racking my brain, but if I do, it's nowhere near the tier of uh, Barbie Puppy Rescue. I'll tell you that much. But you're right. I'm sure there's some god-awful game other than Aliens Colonial Marines that I sank way too much time into. I have another one, Jumper Griffin's Story, but... That's a whole other thing. I got all the gamer score in that, and it's god-awful. It's one of the worst games I've ever played. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That was my surprise mechanic. Uh, on the shorter side, but it was enough. You, you you don't want me talking about that game for the next five, ten minutes. I was about to say, um, I will never look at you the same way. I, I really do think it was just one of those, oh, this would be funny if I got a platinum for Barbie. It's got to be that. It, it yeah, I mean it's it's either that you know what no it has to be that because any other answer just makes me concerned about you because <laughs> like the only other things that I could think of is like AAA developers are all doing the same thing I need I need something to shake it up Barbie that's what I need I just need to play Barbie like I'm just picturing a version of you that was just like like you could only speak in monotone like there's just a shell of Mike. And anybody that walked in on you playing this game is just going to look at you and be like, he is not okay right now. What if Ashley walked in on you playing that game? All right, so I'm legit going to try and picture this. So I'm playing this game. She walks in. Her immediate response is, what are you doing? And I'm trying to imagine what my answer would be. It's got to be the, it's not an easy platinum. That's the thing. You can't, you can't use that as an excuse. I I would honestly, like, if if I'm trying to think of a reason as to why you're playing that game, I'd probably just say, like, I lost a bet, and now I have to dedicate a couple hours to this game. Okay, no, that's a good one. I mean, it's a lie, but it's a good lie. You probably really want to play that deep down, that's why you're playing it. Yeah, no, no. Everybody, grab your phones and Google Barbie's Puppy Rescue. Look at the cover art, watch a little gameplay. 
and you can decide if I'm crazy or not. Playing Barbie's Puppy Rescue did put things into perspective for me. It, it shows you how many great games there are you can play. <laughs> and this is not one of them. So from now on, we'll just say that that experience was a pilgrimage for you so that you could appreciate great yeah. games. There you go. That's the reason why I played it. There you go. Well, let's go with that. One of these listeners is probably playing this game right now. I mean, he's probably seeking it out. I was going to say, if there is a legit listener that is currently going through this game as we are talking about this, please comment. Help us to understand why was Mike playing this back in 2016? Anyways, that's the show. Pretty damn good show, I think. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun with this. I mean, the surprise mechanics were great. As did I. Your your surprise mechanic was great. I don't know if people appreciated mine. Yours was just as eye-opening. I'll say that much. <laughs> but yeah, it was great having you on, Indy. And uh, well, thank you. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon-ish. Who knows? Looking forward to it. We'll see. It all depends on Jacques. What's going on with him? I don't know. He'll talk about it next week. I mean, we got some stuff to, to talk about. And uh, and then, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting tired now because it's almost one o'clock in the morning. Same. My brain is starting to shut off. And that's always a bad sign during a podcast you don't want that to happen so uh yeah i guess i'll just go over the social media pages one more time and then we can get the hell out of here you can follow us on uh, twitter instagram and facebook and that's at boundless gamers please follow us we want you there and if you follow us we'll love you forever and i got nothing else because i'm tired so (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah India, uh, you got some homework to do. Go play Barbie's Puppy Rescue, and uh, we'll talk about it next time. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do not do that. You mean Alan Wake? I mean, I know you're tired. No, you got to play Barbie's Puppy Rescue. No, I don't even think there's a way for you to play it, because it's on the PS3, 360, oh, and the Wii U. Oh, damn. Oh, no. So I'm going to send you a copy of it and a console. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Once again, I'm Mike. I'm Indy. And Jock's not here to say goodbye again. I'm sorry. I know I'm ripping on Jock so much, but I just, I just, yeah, I love you, bro. Just making fun of you. But yeah, we'll catch you next week. And uh, yeah, that's it. See you later, guys. Have a good one. Later. Later.